0: You're listening to the Plus Music Podcast with Brian and Nick, where we sit down with artists, founders, video game music composers, and discuss early ideas, challenging hurdles, and how the ever-changing music industry will evolve in the digital age. Today, we're sitting down with electronic music producer, DJ, software engineer, author, and CEO of the record shop, Obi Fernandez. Obi talks to us about his days as a prolific remixer with well over 300 commission remixes to date, including some by Yaya Donna Summer, and many more. Authoring his best-selling books on Ruby on Rails and being the founder and CEO of the curated NFT platform, Record Shop. Here's more from Obi now.
1: Sounds great. But thanks for having me on the show, guys. Yeah, lots of exciting stuff going on. So, Of course. Looking forward to talking to you.
2: Yeah. So, Obi um let's talk let's talk nfts so let's talk record shop right so right, right it's the uh conversation du jour du month du year of 2021 and as i read in the internet um 2022 will be the year of the nft right mm-hmm. yeah. so l- let's there's a lot of nft um projects out there different um you know different uh blockchain like protocols that are supporting nfts tell us more about record shop and how you guys approached it which chain you're using um yeah let's start let's just start at the top
1: well first of all a lot a lot of people including us are very worried about the impact on the environment uh from proof of work blockchains like ethereum and uh, Bitcoin for that matter. So we opted to go with the Flow blockchain, which is a very green blockchain. It's very environmentally friendly. It, uh, it trades off uh, some things in order to achieve a very, very efficient operation, uh, very low cost minting and um, minimal impact on the environment. I mean, no, no more than a Visa transaction you know, with a credit card or, or something like that. Uh, very, very small. So no environmental impact there. Uh, while still having the the massive uh, technological possibilities that uh, operating on the on a blockchain give you, and um, it's a it's a well well funded and successful uh, blockchain project it's one of the most successful when it comes to nft it's made by dapper labs who pioneered nfts with CryptoKitties in 2017 and uh, who are the creators of NBA Top Shot, which is arguably one of the most successful NFT projects of all time with over a million uh, players and and collectors. So um, when we were talking to to Dapper Labs, they were very interested in working with us and we were very interested in working with them. Uh, We explained what we wanted to do, which was to to go out and... um, find all sorts of legendary uh, up and coming and established electronic musicians and recruit them to this new space and, and help them get uh, innovative NFT based projects uh, off the ground. And they said, that sounds fantastic. And we said, are you gonna get into music? Cause you seem to be in bed with Warner Music Group. And they said, absolutely not. We're only interested in big brands like the NFL and Marvel and stuff like that. So then we were off to the races. Um, that was in the spring and summer of last year. And we launched uh, in August and we've had a total of 14 drops and, and generated millions of dollars in sales uh, have sent out hundreds of thousands of dollars in royalties uh, at this point uh, for third quarter about to send out another batch of royalties. The word is starting to get around and uh, on Sundays we're signing up multiple artists Mm -hmm. to, to our roster and, and getting them ready to go. So it's been a massive success so far uh Mm -hmm. we've had the support of great investors like dapper labs uh, medicovin who bought the the 69 million dollar beeple artwork and was famous in that field he got turned on by what we were doing and and went for it as well we also have gareth Emery and tiga and and other musicians that are also supporting uh i um, like i I like that you mentioned that and it's it's music focus
0: you know i've Mm -hmm. got so many friends i know our listeners probably are here when Like Coinbase launched a platform. I knew a million people that were jumping on the trade Bitcoin stuff before they even knew what the heck Bitcoin and a blockchain were. It was a hype buy. NFTs are still, I think, I haven't talked to anyone in the last few months that haven't heard of NFT, but why is that something, how should musicians be thinking about getting into the NFT market and why they should be getting into the
1: NFT market this year? Well, with the pandemic decimating the opportunities to perform, it's even though those are coming back, it's still very unstable. But that you know that experience of going without revenue for you know one almost two years has made the prospect of having new revenue streams pretty interesting. At least, let's say for sure, yeah. you know, for for a lot of musicians, and they want to know what the buzz is about. And we have the experience multiple times a week of talking to musicians and explaining, look, this is really about bringing back ownership culture so that music fans can feel vested uh, via ownership of something, let's just say thing for now, uh, that was produced by you, the artist, and use that to establish an affinity with you. And that's a kind of a uh you know fancy word so there's a connection to you right um generally termed fandom i would say but you know most of us who are fans uh have some sort of tokens that express what our musical tastes are what we like right and especially if we go back now nowadays almost everything's virtual we'll get to that in a second but you know especially if you start going back 10 20 years Practically any music fan, especially teenagers, stuff, had posters on their wall. You know, uh, many of us kept ticket stubs of significant concerts we've been to. Um, That's me. I, I certainly have fond memories of almost every CD I bought as a teenager. And I have a 26 boxes of vinyl sitting in a garage in Georgia that have not been able to move around with me too much in the last five years. But I still value and keep around for, you know, for nostalgic reasons, I guess. And the, the, you know, when, when it was more common to have those collections, if people came over, you know, they would flip through your collection and that would communicate to them, you know, what kind of person you were, right? Like, you know, what your musical tastes are. If you had people over for a dinner party, you might go through your CD collection and load up the carousel or whatever, you know, like figure out what you're gonna play. A lot of that social interaction has been lost and the reason is that there's there's just so much music and the the proliferation and popularity of digital streaming platforms has meant that the algorithm chooses, right? So now as opposed to what i just said at uh, you know 30 seconds ago with a dinner party if you're having a dinner party most people will just open spotify, hit the dinner party button and you're done, right? But but that's an anonymous consumption of music. It's a it's a passive listening experience that does no favors for the musician because in many cases that the the way that that music is being listened to is completely anonymous there's no connection to who it is that's listening at best you might say alexa who what song is that you know or or look on the screen right so arguably i would say very compellingly arguably the genie's out out of the bottle, the train has left the station, whatever metaphor you want to choose, fat lady has sung. But, you know, the value of music for passive consumers is is probably never going to come back. Like people are used to just paying a flat fee and having music, you Mm -hmm. know, maestro. So given that reality that we have to deal with as musicians, the question then becomes, you know, how can we create new interesting, fun, authentic, that's a very important one, revenue streams that are not exploitative, that are not uh, subject to huge chunks taken out of them by platforms and, and you know labels and intermediaries. And, and that's where it gets pretty interesting with the NFTs in the blockchain world. It gives you the opportunity to co- connect with your fan base in a way that
2: really hasn't
1: been possible before. You know, and we can totally get into that. Yeah, Yeah, you have questions. I
2: I do. So I'm gonna preface this by saying that I think I think the NFT thing. I ever I agree with everything you just said. I wanna maybe do some some devil's advocate stuff, right? Like Mm -hmm. I think, like generally, the music business as a as an industry hasn't treated musicians all that well. But at the same time, we all know musicians. We are. I think everybody on this call is and we all know that that the business isn't strong point right for these creatives so the right. two things kind of had to come together for there to be an industry right and i think what 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 crypto in general is doing with finance and and what nfts are doing is sort of leveling the playing field and allowing it to sort of be more of a fair way to do things right like It seems to me though, right now, in this moment of NFT space, that the second, like the, there's like, there's a longer journey that hasn't quite got built out yet, right? Like, like what do you do with your NFT? Like you you mentioned, you had some vignettes that I think were like important, right? So you had, you know, the ability to go to a friend's house, there's a bunch of vinyl, hell yeah, you have that one. Okay, cool. So with with a wallet, like that could be a public wallet. And I guess you could check on somebody's like NFT holdings on their public wallet if they make, if you know where where to find it. But NFTs aren't that anymore either, right? Like you don't get to have that sort of shared experience in the real world. I think NFTs are really interesting from so many different um, angles but it's not going back that way either. Just like to your point, like right? genie's out of the ball. Well,
1: upcoming generations. So th- I'll put it this way. I've stopped saying in real world, I say in physical world now. And that the, the reason I've made that mental shift is because especially to younger generations, the life that they live on Minecraft, you know, if you got a little kid, uh, or that they live on online, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and every every everything from Twitter and Reddit to Fortnite and you know other kinds of platforms that's very real to them, and they're willing to spend money on it. And
2: yeah, it's know. just a I, shift in reality, right?
1: Like it, it's a it, shift in experiences. So some of these some of these future realities are dystopian. Frankly, I want to get that out of the way, right? Like, like many of us, um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in my late 40s, right? So that puts me of a certain generation, you know, Generation X or whatever. Like, I remember what it was like before the internet. I was, I was actually very early on the internet and am a native, but I still remember what it was like. And also, uh, as a raver for for 30 years and a DJ and someone that's been part of the the electronic music scene from from early times. It's very hard for anyone to persuade me that we're going to have realistic simulations of those kinds of experiences, right? Yeah. I don't. I don't care how big the subwoofer is you you strap to your chest, or you know, put yeah. in the back of your chair, um, or how high fidelity the the goggles you're you're wearing are, right? That that's not going to replace the concert experience, the festival experience anytime soon maybe someday we'll have you know matrix style jacks in the back of our head uh, Let's like hope I not. Said, uh, well, yeah. some, like i said before i'm not advocating for that in fact some of that shit sounds and sorry i cursed but but you know some of that stuff sounds really dystopian to me but the um i i think you still have to realize that i'm speaking to musicians listening that the ground is shifting underneath our feet. So if we stay rooted in the the older paradigms of, you know, live is is the best, uh, you know, experience and the you know or the most legitimate experience, things like that, then these opportunities are are passing us by, right? And you, it doesn't have to be an either or sort of thing. I see it as a complement, right? Like when we uh, go out and recruit artists to, to join Record Shop, what we say is like, look, this, this is a good enhancement to your brand. This is a good enhancement to your fan experience for those of your fans that want it. And obviously, right now, we're in a very early adopter stage. There's relatively few fans that know that they want it. But once the fans get involved, uh, they feel very vested. And the re- the reason that they feel vested is actually tricky to talk about in a way that doesn't feel weird, Um many music fans get uncomfortable with capitalistic, you know, type things and, and uh, financialization and, and, you know, topics that feel like selling out or, you know, not being true to the art, but I'll tell you this much. I had, I had a a girl uh, that she, she's actually our bookkeeper, but she participated in the first drop that we did and she wrote me a a little chat message after she opened the first drop that we did and she said oh my god this felt like when i was a teenager opening up a cd i went through the liner notes and i listened to every single track so she said she spent about 45 minutes on that pack listening to everything that was inside of it and she remembered what it was like and i asked her why she said well it's like this cool thing that i bought that's valuable it's like spent money on it right and and something that maybe some of us forget you know those of us that are music fans who, who still spend money on live events and collectibles and things like that is that paying for a an album or an ep or something like that has com, has become a completely foreign experience for most people nowadays right it, it, the the people who buy vinyl and sets and cds and stuff are in the vast majority it's a growing niche but it's still very very small right um but but think about the fact that as humans you know with and, and with human psychology we value what we pay for and conversely we don't value the stuff that we don't pay for right so there, there's or, this experience.
2: or you value what you've earned and usually you value what you've earned because you that money that you spent on it
1: you earned it typically right so, yeah, that's a, that's an important dimension of what I'm saying. You know, like when I was a teenager, I, I worked after school jobs, which gave me some disposable income. And I spent almost all of that small amount of disposable income on vinyl records and CDs, mostly yeah. vinyl records, because I was DJing. As a result, even though I was a DJ, uh, you know, at the, around age 18, I think I only had maybe 20, 30 CDs, you know, so... I value them because they were expensive, <laughs> you know, they were like $15, so, you know, for a CD. That's a, that's a large amount of my net worth as a teenager. Right. Totally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Cause I want to, I want
2: to, I want to drill in here. I want to, I want to wow. take your, your jumping off point and talk about uh, ownership and value and what the artists are giving away too in that process. Right. Because it's slightly different back in the back in those times you would sell your CDs right and but you weren't selling any ownership to the cd to to the actual underlying no master rights master, mm-hmm, you know right. so in in the nft world there's a lot of different projects and a lot of different ways to do it can you talk to us about how record shop is dealing with the uh, with the, the rights management piece of
1: of these mm-hmm. songs and and
2: how Curious how it gets that. in there
1: yeah at least for now Buying a digital collectible on record shop, an an NFT colloquially, uh, is like buying a CD. It does not confer any master rights. Got it. I can't imagine very good reasons why, as a musician, I want to share my master rights with anyone
2: didn't Lil Nas I mean it wasn't not it was a, it was uh who was it Nas, Nas. just Nas Nas he's did selling, yeah he's selling portions of his um 50 of his royalties publishing or something like that that's that's happening on different
1: places that that stuff is happening and it, it it's actually been happening uh in ways that don't involve nfts and blockchains you know if you look at i think it's called royaltyexchange.com you can go sell rights to your royalties it's i'll put it i don't uh i like blau i respect what he's done you know he's he's the co-founder of royal where where the nas drop is is happening i so i don't want to throw shade on them too much uh i but you know personally i find it's difficult to believe that anyone would make any money on that drop, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's a it's a song that's been released already. It's unclear whether they intend to distribute existing royalties. The answer is probably no. Uh, the at the top tier of participation in that drop, um, you get like one point five percent. Of the royalties and when you do the math it's very very hard to see how it works out
2: especially yeah. that song's
1: got to be like a hit which it's not right it the these kinds of schemes besides also being probably illegal <laughs> from an sec regulatory standpoint you know and and i know um not officially but i know through the grapevine that royal is investing a lot of money in becoming you know uh essentially a, a registered securities dealer to wow. try to avoid you know to try to avoid no, no, uh that kind of sec scrutiny yeah because it what they're essentially doing is is selling shares and what's kind of like a stock you know i mean one second i'm going to cl- just close the door yeah so 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 we haven't you know we we haven't gone down that road at record shop very much on purpose like you know, especially if you're talking about royalty streams from digital streaming platforms that are pathetic anyway. Yeah. You know, like why would you want to share those? Like they're already low enough. You know what I mean? And if you start, if you start going down the road of saying that the reason you want to share your royalties is so that people promote your, your music. uh, I just think that's a dead end. You know, (laughs) like I don't, I, I want my fans promoting my work because they like my work, not because
2: they want they, that's they, like they're they, betting they're on a make horse money on it. yeah they're not betting on yeah. a horse so I
1: mean, to pe- to people who say i want you know i want people to be able to invest in my in my music you know or my upcoming album i say wait till people start shorting your upcoming album how are you going to feel about that uh, yeah <laughs> because that right. will that will happen yeah the opposite <laughs> yeah. will go right it's the opposite yeah uh so this is su-
2: it's super interesting and it's so new and i'm going to ask you like really really basic question just for the folks that are trying to get their heads around what nfts are still and why like why why does a fan want an nft and i know there's a sense of community sense of of like participation in in the in the and these are nfts can be limited so they might have one of an a number of certain ones right and um or there could be unlimited but If I'm thinking about it from a fan's point of view, why do I want an NFT?
1: Well, of course it depends, but I can tell you like the main reasons that we, that we're using as our, you know, as our foundation one, there's a collector instinct. So, right. Like if you, if you like someone as a fan, you want to, you want to collect their stuff more and more, what you're almost certainly going to be seeing is that the artist's We'll start communicating with the fan base and saying, this is how I want you to support me. Right. Like this is equivalent to buying a vinyl or a concert experience or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or it might come attached to a concert ticket or, you know, buying a buying merch and whatnot. Um, increasingly you'll see artists saying, This is my virtual merch, you know, which, which actually makes it more accessible to fans all around the world, because it's easier to buy a virtual t-shirt for your avatar than it is to get a a t-shirt mailed to, for instance, Chile, where I'm actually living right now, you know? uh, Borders and customs are a thing, right? (laughs) And international logistics aren't cheap either, right? Yeah. Um, Enough said about that. The the other part you started alluding to it um, with benefits and whatnot, some of them start looking like fan clubs, you know, so kind of like a modern incarnation of a fan club.
0: I could see that. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Except at a micro scale, right? Uh, Because it's, you know, whereas before the fan club, um, you know, might've had someone running it and and who knows how often that person even talked to the artist that the fan club was for, right? It was more of a broadcast medium. Um, Nowadays, with, with these kinds of technologies, it's more like your NFT unlocks access to the artist. So I, I don't know if you guys have seen this phenomenon, but I've seen it so much to, to you know, even start wanting to give it a name. But like, I've, I've been many, many times at events and like sitting and talking to someone and they go, you know, I went on vacation with so-and-so, you know, and they named some famous DJ or artist or something like that. And that but they don't leave it at that. They they show me their phone with their WhatsApp conversation and the pictures of from vacation, like yeah, to prove it, right? That's called a flex in today's parlance. And a lot of the experience that you're actually buying around having an NFT has to do with flexing, which is a big deal, especially to younger generations. Like some of us that are older might not really care, but the younger generation, you know. Acts this way so much that there's actually a current name for it, you know, flexing. Which and, is what like
2: board apes give you on Twitter, right? Because there's a
1: visual aspect
2: to those pieces, those NFTs.
1: That's right. People who say, haha, you know, I just stole your board ape by right clicking on it and hitting save are missing the point. It's membership in that club. To give you an example of how that plays out today, I bought a, a PFP called Ballers, which is a, a successful profile picture NFT project on Flow. And almost immediately, like within two minutes of buying it, someone tweeted, hey, the CEO of Record Shop just bought a Ballers and they, they put a link to it. And then today's been the most active day I've personally had in Twitter as far as retweets and follows in probably 10 years. You know, <laughs> like yeah. a whole bunch of people from that community welcomed me, followed me, you know, send me uh, little congrats and thank yous for supporting the project and things like that i was just supporting it to do some research and and to support another flow blockchain project because we're all kind of like family right yeah uh so i was a little surprised by that and i was like cool i changed my profile picture to the the baller i bought and um cool. it's that's that sense of it's that sense of belonging right like to you know a particular community it. right I totally so mu- musicians mm-hmm. can do that as well and it lets people f- uh brag about you know their belonging with that in group you know related to that musician in a way that hasn't truly existed since you know we were in high school like wearing pins you know with mm-hmm. pink floyd or the, the cure or you know or whatever like the way that we identify part of our personality by connecting to those artists so mm-hmm. so, that, so that's a real that's a real thing it's a real phenomenon so like you know
2: um Non fungible means that you can't trade it for another one, right? Mm -hmm. Basically, that's what that means. And so you've got coins, and then you've got NFTs, and it's kind of like two different things going on. But what are there's a bunch of other stuff going on. What besides your project? What what do you like out there? It sounds like you like to support other projects and and know what's happening um, in this place. But like, what what other music based and um you know. Doesn't have to even be an NFT, but like just a crypto or block- blockchain based project right now. Are you keeping your eye on that? You think's interesting.
1: Uh, well, I mean, they're probably one of our main competitors, but so- Sound X Y Z is interesting, and I'm kind of looking at what they're doing because they're, you know, doing a lot of things that we're that we're doing. Um, they're well funded. Um, I'm trying to think. In the music space, there's a lot of like highly curated little projects. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm thinking about like um, catalog and stuff like that, you know, and that's, those are kind of interesting, but not because they're on such a small scale. Like I purposely took a top-down approach when I started Record Shop. So we went out and started signing the biggest artists we could connect with, you know, through our network. And one of the things that sets us apart at Record Shop is that more than 80 percent of our 80 people are producers djs musicians yeah you know music industry people we we come from this field and we're doing this for musicians and one of the things we knew is that yet another geeky project that lets anyone sign up is really boring <laughs> it, yeah, let me I, ask I, I you
2: was, a, a question yeah. about that particular thing sorry to me cut you off but uh uh-huh. how related to how you guys onboard artists and it right. sounds like you guys are curating that experience and in, in that, that catalog. And I've heard of catalog too. Um, yep. and how do you, are you guys getting artists who control their, their songs or are you yep. working with labels and their outside artists publishing? Too? So yep. all of it,
1: all of it, all of the yep. above. Yep.
0: So then, yeah, is that not, rights management not, all done on on the Flow blockchain?
1: The rights management is not as complicated as you might think, and really doesn't have anything to do with our smart contracts, right? Like, yeah. in order mm-hmm. to, in order to participate on our platform, they have to certify that they've cleared the rights to use the the music in that manner, and mm-hmm. it, and it's up to them. As we scale, we'll, you know, don't hold it to me on any short time frame, but we'll probably start helping you know, manage some of that for, for our partners if they need it, because we have legal resources at our disposal to do so. I'm talking about things like mixtapes and, and whatnot, you know, yeah. including music that, that you don't have. The but and and we will open the doors to people to be able to uh you know join the platform, but it's not going to be just a simple matter of signing up and minting stuff. Uh we believe that you know part of the problem that part of the reason we got here is the democratization of the means of production means that like there probably a billion people are going to be close to a billion people someday that can make music and put it online right and i've, I've heard different numbers but something like 60 70 80 000 tracks a day or something like that are being added to platforms <clears throat> that's a lot that's an insane amount of music i mean that's how we end up with this totally anonymous, passive consumption, algorithm-driven consumption, you know, because otherwise you can make sense of it all, right? Yeah. Um, also, most of it is crap. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's just hard. It's hard to cut through that mess. The way that we're trying to cut through that mess is, yes, starting by being a curated platform, but then making it so that the community has more and more say uh, by their activities and by their investments in, of their attention and in some cases of their of their capital, on our platform in order to bring new artists on board. Mm-hmm. So essentially, we're subsidizing the costs of bringing new artists on board to record shop right now fully, right. And in fact, if any of you are listening out there and you're doing electronic music and you want, um, you know, to bring your music, definitely get in touch with me. Uh, and one of the reasons that you want to do that is because if we do accept you, we give you practically all the work on a silver platter, right? You give us the music and some assets and some maybe some basic art direction, and I have a full production team. Like I said before, we have over eighty people in the company already, so we'll do a lot of the work for you. But over time, the you know the the artists or the label, the record labels, will have to do more and more of that work, and in order to prove themselves to actually be on the platform, they'll have to get fan support, you know, to actually mint their collectibles uh, on the platform. It won't be just a simple matter of uh, opening the door to everyone and then letting it, you know, sort sort itself out by algorithms or whatever. I was part of another project that called Tune, it went out of business and rebranded and it's called something else now. But that was one that started as kind of like a SoundCloud competitor, except on the blockchain. Mm. And almost all the available resources were spent combating people causing trouble of different, you know, uploading, copyrighted material, uploading, you know, 50 minute long silence, you know, like uh, yeah. gaming the heck out of the system by setting up like the, bots to stuff, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, st- stuff like that. And it, it, based on that kind of baggage that I came to the project with, I said, no, 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 we're not going to start this way. We're going to start yeah. by looking for, you know, legitimate artists artists with a following and and with a good amount of back catalog and, and, and given the trend, you know, the listening trends, <laughs> back catalog is a big deal as well. And I do think that in the future, um, you'll see projects that start tapping into back catalog as opposed to just new music and new releases. Yeah. Because, um, I, I think there's a, I think there's kind of an intrinsic human desire that could be captured for people wanting to own certain songs that mean a lot to them. Right. Maybe the song you had your first kiss to, um, Wedding you know, minutes. other experiences, stuff, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so there, there's lots of things like that, that are not even, you know, being experimented quite yet, or, you know, that I've heard of, but that are certainly going to be coming down the line. So the question about why to get involved now <laughs> Is that if you get involved now, it you know it does it present it a lot more op- opportunities for uh, discovery by new fans, uh, organic press coverage, you know mm-hmm. that you don't have to pay for uh, being viewed as a pioneer, you know that, that kind of thing. it's like being it's like getting involved in the internet or e-commerce in the nineties, you know, like yeah, like this is clearly going to be a huge phenomenon uh, in one way or another. So why not? How does
2: um how does the fans interact with an nft the, i know it's a basic question but like i'm a, I, just, I go and i, I participate in a drop and i get i get my nft it's in my wallet what do i do
1: with it so and um, on record shop if you have a certain like if you complete a set because most of the collectibles we saw are sets are not individual uh, nfts So let's say you complete a set that often leads to increased access to the artist. Like it'll unlock a chat room on our discord. Uh, And some, some of our busiest artists like the disco fries have very uh, devoted fan followings who will buy everything that they drop and uh, you know, jump through hoops to, to do things. Uh, Some of them got access to their new year's Eve party. Uh, They've sent merch out to people that hold their cards and things like that. They, yeah this airdrop phenomenon um some of them will use their favorite uh record shop collectibles as profile pictures so, yeah we see it all the time they'll set their profile picture on discord or twitter to to their favorite nft you know from record shop that's one of the dominant use cases for nfts overall so really, that you know that flexing, that, that outward the, flexing that the whole flexing thing we do a lot of challenges and interactive kind of um engagements sometimes involving the artists like we did a todd terry uh, engagement. He's a famous uh, New York house DJ, one of the originators of New York house from back in the day, and uh, he's still actively DJing. And he airdropped a bootleg uh, remix of a childish Gambino track uh, to his fans that had collected the cards. We've we've also done some pretty big prizes already. There there were there was a two part challenge involved in what cards you had, what what NFTs you had, and how you put them together. And we gave away a prize consisting of a all expenses paid trip to Berlin for two uh to a New Year's Eve party, and you got the artist experience, meaning you were picked up in a limo, you stayed on the same hotel floor as the artist, you got uh you know AAA passes, you got to press start, you know, for the first track of the party nice. and all that stuff, right? Cool. So it's a Berlin linux break it's great people love that you know and like you could do that without nfts but um one of the cool things about it is that you know when you give away a prize like that as an nft then it can kind of find its home <laughs> uh you know because it's it's a tradable good right like you you so can this win is the prize an NFT go.
2: that did this kind of thing right
1: Is it's not even after the fact even before the fact right now like there's uh, someone one a tour manager experience on record shop recently and it's to go to a party in amsterdam and i i think they're a school teacher in kansas or something and they can't take the time off so they're trying to. they're currently trying to sell that sell nft they're trying <laughs> to sell that experience for like five or six thousand dollars or something like that um that's generally termed financialization and it's coming to a future near you it's like basically yeah. everything is turning into a tradable good you know that, that you can move around
2: i also i also it seems like too i mean look nft they, they come with a hash right it's unique so mm-hmm. y- you can see a world where you know as these different sort of immersive experiences get built out whether it's <laughs> epics like um the uh you know fortnite creative area or you've got like different metaverse stuff that'll get built out those, those music NFTs will be able to come uh, unlock different areas, or you'll be able to welcome people in to those areas and you can only get in with your NFTs, you know? So there'll be an access only type thing. seems like
1: it's but- all, it's also, it, there's another thing. And, and hopefully this blows your mind. or the minds of, you know, some of the listeners, like as we move into spending more and more time in the metaverse, the, the products that are consumed, displayed, et cetera, in the metaverse are, let's say, digitally native, you know, especially in the, these metaverses that are blocked, backed by blockchain. Yes. So a fundamental attribute of those digital items is ownership, mm-hmm. right? And And in a world like that, ownership implies legal ownership, right? Like mm-hmm. if you are, uh, you know, uh, the rights holder for a catalog, you decide you want to make your music legally available as, you know, in a particular metaverse as NFTs, that's the only way to get that music onto that metaverse, right? Mm -hmm. Totally. And I I cannot say this with certainty, but I assume that piracy will be a lot more difficult in that kind of environment because of the nature of, of crypto. So... The mind blowing part <laughs> is what happens if fans, as opposed to spending, uh, let's put this in the context of raves or parties or whatever, spending most of their enjoyment of music time, you know, in a club that has pioneer equipment that has no DRM, you know, because any music you stick onto a USB, you can play on the, on those uh, decks, right. Yeah. As opposed to spending most of their time in a, in a metaverse that's backed by a blockchain where Mm -hmm. the music does have to be legally acquired yeah it it can it can be a kind of back to the future situation where music goes back to ownership and i think actually you know if you look at at history as being cyclical and you know the pendulum swinging back the other way towards scarcity away from where we currently are now where there is you know just so much abundance that makes your head spin Um, You could see a situation where people and DJs and tastemakers start priding themselves on selection, on curation of those legally obtained goods, right, just like it used to be right. Like as a DJ when I started out, I would go to New York sometimes to satellite records and buy an import and it would cost me $40 which would be most of the money I had, you know, minus bus fares and Why would I do that? You know, when I could, I could have bought like six or seven domestics, uh, twelve inches for you know for that money. I would do that because I knew that I would be the only one at my parties, you know, spinning that Mm -hmm. record, and I would be able to flex it to use modern, you know, terminology to my friends, you know, at the party or my my DJ friends, and that's completely gone away because anyone can get anything, right? Like piracy is a, literally in a in a meeting recently with the majors uh, with one of the majors and they said on record shop you can download a wave file of a song that you own and then if you sell it you still have access to that wave file right and i said yep that's exactly right uh, because we assume that anyone can pirate anything that they want at any time no matter what and they went yep sounds right moved on was not even an issue (laughs) yeah not even not even a point of contention or conversation or, you know beyond that. Um, that's the world we live in. So you know being being able to move into a situation where uh, you know as a talented, legitimate, hardworking artist you know who's put in the dues, you know, invested in the equipment and education and practice and building a fan base and doing all those things you have to do, being able to monetize your music again, you know as a as opposed to being told that your music is worthless or a loss leader <laughs> uh that's very that's very enticing let's say mm-hmm. you know and that's or that's worth a
0: 0.004 cents a play
1: well that's what we want to get away from right <laughs> like that that's i would i personally and many other you know artists that we've spoken to would prefer a world where just our fans and the people who really want to uh you know have our music and pay for it are the ones that have it like and we're okay with forsaking the other revenue streams altogether and in my mind it's like fm radio back in the day right so like was did you want fm radio did you want airplay did you want your music to be streamable you know back then sure you wanted that exposure but that wasn't that wasn't your your money right that's not where your money came from your money came from sales of merchandise, concert tickets, things like but that. But even so. in
2: even in the radio days, the the payout was better. You know, it was like eight cents per play or something like that. Which you know, hey, again, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, yeah, no, there's so much. Um, there's so much interesting. I think what 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 it means to me is that you'll pair these one of a kind experiences with sort of you know, one of a kind things or things that you that you had to acquire to pair them together to create a unique experience is worth paying for on maybe both sides, you know. But
1: um, you're when you're on the on- when you're on the outside looking in, it's very, very common to to say, I don't really understand how this could be interesting to consumers, you know, to to fans without there being some sort of physical or you know uh experience component to it. But to give you an example of how it's different, once you go inside, and you know, we we recently did a, an event called Participate to Create with Disco Fries and Lena uh, Lena Leong, who's an EDM singer, uh, pretty good one, yeah, big following. Two hundred and fifty record shop players paid from $1.50 to four dollars to buy a particular NFT that gave them access to be co producers on a Disco Fries track. And then the Disco Fries had a uh, a Twitch session and they had a private chat room going with those 250 co-producers, quote unquote, let's say. Um, and they worked on a track together for two hours. And while that was going on, there were an additional 900 people watching on Twitch, you know, watching them produce the That's track. That's cool. And they, uh, you know, the, those 250 co-producers uh, got to chime in on... Uh, parts of the arrangement, the lyrics, uh, you know, effects and sound design. Uh, and then they name the track together and the tracks getting mastered is going to be put out as a rare uh, NFT on record shop. And the payment to the disco fries is that they get a bunch of those NFTs to sell to their fans. And the payment to the co-producers is that they get one of those uh nfts for themselves for their collection they're the co-producers on no master rights given up no need to you know calculate royalty sharing or anything like that but those fans are super thrilled right Mm -hmm. like they feel like they did something and please don't anyone misunderstand what i'm saying i'm not saying that all music should be created this way (laughs) or that this is the new paradigm or anything like that i'm just saying that you know the platform like what we built on record shop and you know has gives you the ability to do these kinds of creative things with your fans you know yeah that are that are fun for them and push the envelope of you know what um you know what's possible i mean li- literally earlier this week we were having discussions about whether you can submit 250 co-production credits to the streaming services and things like that you know <laughs> that's um, fascinating
2: stuff man yeah it's really cool i well, it sounds like we could do a part two of this because part there's, there's <laughs> so much more to talk about. I'm um, happy to. But as we uh, as we wrap up, you, you do you do music. So, uh, is there anything you want to play the fans out with, or you know, share with yeah. the, the audience? Yeah,
1: yeah. I have a I have a track. It's one of the last tracks that I that I finished um, middle of last year while while we were in the thick of launching record shop. And I, I have not been able to spend time in the studio since I have, I have an album that's about 50% done, uh, which I stopped working on March. But this particular track was just kind of, you know, hanging out as tracks do and yeah. I decided to finish it for the for the community. And it's available exclusively on record shop uh, as a collectible uh, NFT called Have a Nice Trip. Uh, it's a little bit of pop, Psytrance uh, kind of flavor to it. so. It's awesome. Uh, I'll, get, oh, I'll, wow. give you, I'll give you guys a listen here. It's not available anywhere else, really. Awesome. Can't wait to hear it. Awesome. Obi. Obi. Cool. Thanks for your time, man. Good to uh, meet you. To to you thank, thank you so much for the time.